It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Tresenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. And it's Friday. Friday. <laughs> Good morning and happy Friday. This is the 40th episode of the second season of the Stacy and Stacy podcast, where we focus each morning uh, at eight o'clock on scripture and tradition, applying it to real life, to current events, and just getting real with how we uh, have and are walking walking it out. And scripture and tradition um, we use as a sword in our our foundation. So today we are going to be talking about David and um, his battle. And Stacy, what are you talking about? You always say, don't let your Goliaths get bigger. Than Goliath. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're going to talk about Goliath today. You're going to talk about Goliath. Um, and I'm in the next part of the catechism, we move on to sacred scripture. And I know we've been talking about scripture tradition a lot in this part of the catechism, but it's so beautiful, so fundamental to our faith. Uh, to understand that sacred scripture is God's word. And we're going to talk mm. about what that means. It's actually something that can change your life because you realize uh, that, that you have, you have a direct access to God, to, to the Christ centered Bible mm. um, to speak to you in daily life. Stacy, you say all the time, that's how God talks to us when we pray the scripture. Yeah. Um, and then that's what the catechism says. So, we're going to take a look at that today and talk overall about all of this, how to navigate your life of faith with scripture and tradition. I love it. I can't wait to hear so what, you have to say, what the catechism has to say about that. Okay, let's start That's out great. with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, again, we ask that your scriptures be our chaste delight. Perfect us and reveal those pages to us. Your voice is our joy, and we ask that you give us what we love. May the inner secrets of your words be laid open to us when we knock. This way, we will be able to understand your scriptures and enjoy the wisdom that you have for us. Open our ears to hear you and our eyes to see you. Mother Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I love that prayer from uh, by St. Uh, Augustine. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been trying to incorporate it in because I just love it. Okay. Today, grab your cup of tea, your cup of coffee. You got two hands if you want a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. Feel free to do that. Just get your Bible and spend some time with the Lord today. 
My husband's standing like a puppy dog at the Starbucks station downstairs at our hotel because oh. they're not open yet. We're trying to get our coffee. That's right. You're not home. Yeah. No, we're still in Pittsburgh. Still in Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. Well, so today I went through the scriptures and the daily readings and the Alleluia is in 1 John and it says, Whoever keeps the word of Christ, the love of God is truly perfected in him. And I love the book of 1 John. It talks about love. It talks about how God loves us, how we are his children, how we are to love God and to love each other, that we love him because he first loved us. So I wanted to read a little bit more. Um, and so let's head over to 1 John and see what the scriptures reveal to us this morning. First thing I wanted to do is read the Alleluia scripture in context. So it says, now by this, we may be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Whoever says I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. I love this because it says we will know that we know. And I say that all the time. I want to know that I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And here he says, he, we will know that we know God if we keep his commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. He goes on to say, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. And again, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? He makes it clear throughout scriptures that if we love him, we will obey him. We will do what he says. We will keep his commandments. Have you ever watched one of your children just hurting um, and you just want to say, why didn't you just listen to me? Why didn't you do <laughs> what I asked you to do? Why didn't you A just million obey? times. Yes, yes. When we ask our kids to do something or not to do something, we aren't trying to be mean. But I know in that moment, many times they don't understand. I mean, as mothers, I'm sure at one time or another, we've all experienced the infamous silent eye roll or the stomping out of the room or even the seven syllable. <laughs> I mean, I have six kids. And if I say no, I would get six different responses. But on those rare occasions when your children simply say, yes, ma'am. And after you've picked yourself up off the floor, don't you just want to bless <laughs> their socks off? I mean, boy, uh -huh. I tell you, I do. I did. Uh -huh. I do. It makes me want to go the extra mile for them. I'm not, not that I want to give in or change my mind or, you know, back up on whatever I've said, but it just makes me want to bless them. I want to do something nice for them. I want, I want to love on them. Well, these scriptures tell us that God blesses us when we obey him. 
If we keep his commandments, it says he comes to us and makes his home with us. I want that. It says if we keep his commandments, he reveals himself to us. I pray that all the time. I want to hear God. I want to um, I want to know God. Anyone who loves God is known by him. It says in first Corinthians. It also says that what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine what God has for those who love him. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. When we seek him with all our hearts diligently, it tells us in the word that we will find him. Okay, goes on to say in 1 John, several verses down, in uh, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Those scriptures, that's always made me think. I mean, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are not to be conformed to the world's way of thinking, doing, uh, coping. That's in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it talks about we are to renew our minds, but not to be conformed to the world's way of doing things. Okay, so what's it going to be? God or the world? Because it sounds like we have a choice. It sounds like we have to choose. We have to choose to love the world and the things of the world, or we choose God. It's like we choose this day whom we're going to serve. We are to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We choose to obey God. It is a choice, and God lets us make it. It is a daily choice. Of course, I'm not saying that you know we don't mess up and fall, but that's why I thank God all the time that His mercies new every morning. Paul tells us in Romans to make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Because once we start gratifying its desires, entertaining ideas, justifying, compromising, we start sliding down that slippery slope and start choosing the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of riches, coveting what others have, sexual sins, envying, seeking recognition, vain glory, chasing riches, doing whatever it takes to get whatever we want and destroying anything or anyone who gets in our way. That is obviously God, not God's way of doing things because we've been talking about how God wants us to live and love one another. He asks us to choose him, to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses and follow him. He wants us to consider others, think about other people, be kind, walk in love, all the things we've been talking about. But when we talk about the world's way of doing things, the world's provision, it makes me think of a story in the Old Testament about young David. David is going to see his brothers who are on the front lines in a battle against the Philistines. I can just see him as a, a young shepherd boy, excited to go see his brothers in action. When he gets there, though, he's just flabbergasted to see the entire Israelite army run and hide when Goliath comes out because Goliath comes out and taunts them. And David can't seem to understand why they're so intimidated. 
instead of the two armies going to war, Goliath says, when he comes out each day, he says, give me a man to fight because whoever wins that fight wins the whole battle and the losers become slaves to the winners. So the men were scared and nobody wanted the whole outcome of the battle resting on their shoulders. They didn't want to be responsible for everybody being slaves to the Philistines. But when David tells King Saul that he's willing to go out and fight the giant, this little shepherd boy, this young boy, not a, not a warrior in King Saul's army, and not a soldier, but a little shepherd boy is willing to go out and fight this giant. At first, Saul is reluctant, understandably so, but David is pretty convincing and he tells Saul, look, I've killed a bear and a lion and I know that just as God delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear, he will deliver me from this giant, this mm -hmm. uncircumcised giant. <laughs> David says, who is this uncircumcised giant that would defy the armies of the living God? Y'all, that is one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> I, I love it because David knew who had his back. David knew who he was in covenant with. And he also knew that David, that Goliath was not in covenant with his God. See, David knew God. David knew that he knew God. He knew it. It was in him. It was, it was something that he had such faith in. Not in himself, in his ability, but in God. So Saul agrees. I feel like Saul was really stepping out there because the, the, the fate of the entire, you know, army, everything's resting on the shoulders of this little boy. So because of that, Saul thinks, okay, I'm going to let this little boy go do it, but I need to dress him in my armor. I need to give him the provision that he needs to win this battle. So Saul dressed David in his armor and his uh, helmet and his, um, his medal and his shield and his uh, breastplate and, and gave him his sword. Well, you know, it wasn't built for David. It was too bulky. It didn't fit David. It, the armor was uh, heavy and the sword, David couldn't wield it. He couldn't use it. it. It was heavy. He wasn't skilled in it. It hindered David's mobility. So David had to tell Saul, the king, thanks, but no thanks. I look at Saul's armor as representing the world's provision here, the world's way of doing. It made sense. Something the provision, sometimes the provision that the world gives us, it looks good and it seems right in that moment and it makes sense and it has answers. But when we try to walk it out, when we try to walk in it, it just causes us to fall. It trips us up. It hurts us in the long run instead of helping us. And it hinders us from being all that God calls us to be. And it hinders us from doing what God calls us to do, which is exactly what was happening with David. The world's provisions, the king's armor, the king himself gave his own armor, but the king's armor was going to hinder David from being and doing what God was calling him to do. Now, not only did David know God, but he obeyed him. 
and he wasn't willing to replace God with anything the world had to offer. And we know the ending to this story. David killed Goliath with a slingshot and a rock. <laughs> it's a great story. Go back and read it if you have a chance. Only in him, only in God, do we live and move and have our being. Anything else just hinders us. Like David, we want to know him. We want to know that we know him so that when we obey his commandments, we can show him that we love him and that we trust him. One last quick thing. It made me think when I read this scripture in 1 John, it says, the love of the father is not in those who love the world. Well, I want the love of God in me because when it's his love in me actively flowing through me, that's what will be felt by others. You know, I mean, I, I've said many times in and of myself, I have nothing. I can do nothing. I am nothing. But with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it's, I even need God's help to love others the way he wants them to be loved. And if I have his love in me, I can do that. So it's not about me. God tells us that he loved us so much. He gave himself for us. We also should love one another. It's just not always about me. It is about God loving others through me, loving others in truth and action, being his hands and feet, keeping his word so that the love of Christ is truly perfected in us and we can love others and allow God to love others through us. Stacy, as you were talking about how we need God in us, uh, we, we, we need God in us so we can go out into the world and the love of Christ can flow through us Yeah, and how we need our armor and how it seems like sometimes it seems like the armor of the world makes sense. The provision yeah. that even Kings give us that, that should make sense when we're about to go into battle, but it's, it's God. It's mm -hmm. the talents God gave us. It's the grace yeah. That happened to us yesterday because Jose and I are here in Pittsburgh and, and we were invited here by the bishop to come to Pittsburgh and do a talk at their seminary about fetal tissue research. Well, that is something that we fight at Children of God for Life. And Pittsburgh is especially important because the University of Pittsburgh is here and this is the university that does a lot of fetal tissue research. They have their own hospital where abortions are done and they use those babies um, in the research labs. Mm. And, um, and there was some pretty controversial research that I posted about in 2020 about um, the scalps of babies being grafted onto the backs of mice to mm. grow, that show they could still grow the hair anyway. So it, it's a, we're in one of the hot spots of fetal tissue research in Pittsburgh um, at the invitation of the Bishop here and uh, and I knew it was like going out into a battlefield because there's a Goliath here. The University of Pittsburgh is a Goliath and we, we can't say anything that could that could cause any legal problems or anything like that. And and they you know, of course, the diocese supports the university for all the good that it does. But this issue of fetal tissue research is is a big one. And so uh, we also, as you know, lost our grandson a few weeks ago, Amias. 
and the whole story behind that, my daughter trying to keep him alive, he was 28 weeks. And that's the same age a lot of these babies are that are used in research that are aborted. And so I, I was going, and it's very hard for me to talk about this stuff now um, about this research, about how they use these babies like lab rats is very hard to talk about because, because I saw a baby that size die in my daughter's arms mm. And, mm. and it would have been unthinkable to use that child, that precious <laughs> child, like a lab rat. And I knew I was going to have to talk about it all day yesterday. And I just was so out of it. I was not myself. I felt like I was under spiritual attack. I felt like there were demons flying around my head like yeah. flies, just trying to chip away at my confidence, trying to tell me I couldn't do it, trying to tell me this is a wrong battle to fight. And Stacy, the lady that's hosting us here, the director of Catholic Identity, we got in the car after dinner and I told her, I'm just, I'm just, something's not right with me. Something doesn't feel right. And I'm not ready for this battle. And she said, you know what? I have the breastplate of St. Patrick memorized. How about I pray that for yeah. you as we drive over there? And I'm like, that's the prayer Stacy and I were talking about. <laughs> wow. I'm like, yes, please. And so mm -hmm. she just starts belting it out. She has the whole thing memorized. Oh my goodness. And, and uh, this beautiful friend that God sent me in my time of need put armor of God on me right out of nowhere. That's awesome. And, uh, that was like God saying, I'm here. Like you say, Stacey, trust God in the process, trust God in, in his mm -hmm. church and his people. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I was just blown away. Oh, and, uh, and it, and it was, you know, there were a lot of tears by the time I finished talking, but it made the point. Yeah. The way to solve this problem of fetal tissue research is love. I mean, here you have, here you have my daughter who, her, loved her baby so much she named him love mm. and comparing that to these other babies that deserved that that are loved like that by god and they deserve to be loved by, like that by their families they're they're killed and used to find cures for the wanted people who get to live in the world mm. and um it's just it just makes such a stark contrast but anyway wow um, that's that amazing. armor was like, happened <laughs> yes what a sweet hug by the lord Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an affirmation. And yeah, uh, it just, it's proof. Those things have, those are the, what I call miracles to me. Those are the miracles because it's God's like, God's like, I'm here. Don't yes. worry. You got this. <laughs> yes. He revealed himself to you. Yeah. <laughs> we can do, we can do, you're, you'll be fine. You're doing the right thing. Yes. So anyway, it was beautiful. Yes. You always talk about scripture and how that's God talking to us. Um, and I have been so blessed each morning talking about scripture with you, Stacey. When I, when I met um, one of the auxiliary bishops here last night, he was talking to me about Martin de Torres and how the little things, the little people are what make the biggest difference in the world. And I was, I was like, Oh, today is his memorial. This is his feast, feast day, isn't it? Because uh, we talked about it in our podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and we knew. So, but I, I, I love getting up every morning and talking with you about scripture and tradition and praying with you and talking about what's going on in the church and what's going on in our lives. Yeah. So thank you for that blessing, Stacey. I'm blessed too. Thank you. Well, our lesson today is over scripture. So that's yeah. why I was, I was thinking about how much I appreciate reading the Bible and staying in tune with the church. We finished the section on um, 
the heritage of faith, the, the transmission of divine revelation. That was an article in a section in a chapter and a part. Um, now we're moving on to article three, sacred scripture now. Okay. So we talked about the magisterium and what that is and what dogma is and why we need it in our lives and how it's passed down. And it's very tied to scripture. You, you don't, you can't separate the two. They're united. They're just different. It's like husband and wife, you know, um, they're, they're united, but they stay themselves. Well, sacred scripture, the catechism says it is the unique word. Christ is the unique word of sacred scripture. Christ is the word of sacred scripture. In order to, what you just said, Stacy, reveal himself to men in the condescension of his goodness, God speaks to them in human words. So condescension means he came down to us. Indeed, the words of God expressed in the words of men are in every way like human language, just as the word, capital W, word of the eternal father, when he took on himself the flesh of human weakness and became like men. Mm-hmm. So we, we call Christ the word. In the Trinity, that's that's really beautiful. Christ, um, the son is the second person of the Holy Trinity. God generates the son. He conceives the son. It's an act of generation um, that the son comes from the father because that that's what a father does generates the son but it the way we talk about it in catholic tradition is um god the father conceives the son like we conceive ideas but see conceive also means conception like generating like having a baby mm-hmm. but but god generates the idea so perfectly that that he that another person exists so God the Father gives all of himself to God the Son except to be the Son. And it is the Word. And it's it's rationality, intellect, um, communication. And so that is, the, that is what God is doing. The second person of the Holy Trinity became man. The Word became man, took on human flesh to come to us to tell us about God. One big reveal yeah. about God who God is and who we are. So the church, like you were saying, Stacey, doesn't ask us to do all these rules just because it's like a bunch of rules. You know, here's your, here's your armor. These are rules. Now go live your life. No, it's to help us understand who we are. Yeah. That we're loved. God loved us. God loves us. God loves every one of those babies, even if they're aborted and their moms didn't love them. God loves them. They are loved. And, um, and we are loved. And I, I keep saying to people, the, the way we're going to solve abortion is by realizing how much we're loved because the, the people who want power and wealth and fortune and fame or don't want to be bothered with the baby, they, they don't have the confidence to go out on that battlefield like David because they don't realize how loved they are by God, that God will give them everything they need. They don't realize that. Yeah. Um, love can change the world. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. God's love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and that is the that's the good news. That's what we have to tell people. But the scriptures are there to help us. So in se- so I'm reading sections 101 uh through where does it go to 104 today. That's the first part of this article 3 on sacred scripture. In 102 there is a quote then from St Augustine. Mm-hmm. Whew, got that out. Through <laughs> <laughs> all the words of sacred scripture God speaks only one single capital W word, his one utterance in whom he expresses himself completely. And that's the second person of the Holy Trinity became man. But 
Augustine says, you recall that one and the same word of God extends throughout scripture, that it is one and the same utterance that resounds in the mouths of all the sacred writers. Since he who was in the beginning, God with God has no need of separate syllables for he is not subject to time. Mm. And there's so much. You know, that. It's so like to think about who God is. We're I'm taking philosophy classes and we just finished reading um, Boethius from the 6th century A.D. So he was a little bit after the time of Augustine, a couple of hundred years. He um, wrote a, a book called The Consolation of Philosophy right before he died. And in that book, he's talking about how because um, he was about to be killed. Um, he, for, he was put in jail for committing, was accused of treason and he was put in jail and he was killed shortly after he wrote the book. But he was saying God is outside of time, right? But what does that mean? That that God sees everything. Like it's it's kind of like if we're at the end of our life and we're thinking about our life in totality, we see the whole thing all at once because we were there. We know it. We lived it. We see the whole thing. When we're like us right now living our life, I can look on my whole life that's happened before now, but I don't really know what's going to happen five minutes from now. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of just like being pushed through life on this wave of this ocean and but he's saying god sees everything when we say god knows everything god's looking at the whole world stacy you say god knows the end from the beginning mm -hmm. he's already at the end he was at the beginning he he doesn't think he is not time mm -hmm. and he's looking at everything that happens he knows it all he's there with us as it happens and he knows it, it, it it's all going to happen and that doesn't mean that we don't have free will it just means he already sees everything and and he's, he's with us. And when we're going through hard times in life and we don't know how it's going to turn out, we it helps to remember that. Yeah. And we can then with the scripture that's been given to us to know that God is with us. 103, for this reason, the church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body. She never ceases to present to the faithful the bread of life taken from the one table of God's word in Christ's body. In sacred scripture, this is 104, the church constantly finds her nourishment and her strength, for she welcomes it not as a human word, but as what it really is, the word of God. Love it. In the sacred books, the Father who is in heaven comes lovingly to meet his children and talks with them. And that's what you say every morning when we pray. And that was also from Dave Verbum. He comes lovingly from scripture and talks with us. And so thank you, Stacy, for reading the scripture with us every day and, and talking about it. Um, and it, it is something you go through the rest of your day, just thinking about and remembering that God's there. So be sure to grab your coffee and listen to Stacy, <laughs> uh, or, or read that, read the Bible yourself. You know, you know, if we're not yeah. the only ones who can read yeah. it to you, but read them. Um, we do encourage you to do that. So thank you, Stacy, for bringing that beautiful gift into my life. No, absolutely. I love the word of God. It is alive. It is active. It is the, it is Jesus is the word made flesh. And mm -hmm. I was kind of following along with you when you were reading this and um, back up in 102, it says, God speaks only one single word, capital letter capital mm -hmm. w word his one utterance in whom he expresses himself completely i love that i love that that's beautiful mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, have a good day. This is Friday. We will be back on Monday and hope you have a good weekend. I'm Stacy Trusenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>